write what you want to write, uh, you know, really kind of go where it's hard, but real. Um, at least that's the kind of film I like to watch, you know, where there's a meaning that is very um, central to being human being. In the room, 52 Jokers Wild. Everyone has ideas. Everyone has, you know, but but if you're making a film, it's a different thing. And you've got you've got your own uh, method or your own plans, which are great. They're original. And it's a, it's a unique way of looking at things, which which all entrepreneurs should do, spin the thing around and, and look at it from every angle. Um, and you look back in the old days, Roger Corman, you know, he, he the way he made movies and he pumped them out there. There were always B-movies. Some of them are, are very entertaining. Um, some of them aren't, but they all made money because he knew what he was doing because model. he had his whole... He had his sales. Yeah. yeah, he had the model and he had the sales end of it set up. Yeah. That, and that's the other thing. If you have the proper say, if you have the sales end of it set up, there is a massive demand for content, especially. There you go. The, it's a reverse engineering. It's going. Yeah, it's the money yeah. wants good content. Good content wants to work out what's it's. But it's what we have is currently coming from the artist. We have the uncommissioned passion. Yes. That is not a content that was requested or asked for, and doesn't actually know what it is itself because it hasn't been put through the first phases of this is a 10 million something you know, or a 20 million that. if you want to put A-list yeah. actors in it. You know. Let's just explore yeah. that in a slightly different way because, um, I mean, obviously, Sean, you've made a horror story. I think that's that's what... So you actually went for a genre. Why, why did you choose the horror genre in the first place? What what led you to it? It's it's not even that I chose it. Like, I've written at this stage about, about 16 feature film scripts and pretty much all of them are, are in the horror genre, except one or two that are in the science fiction genre. It's just the genre that I grew up reading. Um, uh, James Herbert, Dean Koontz, uh, Stephen King, they were my, like as a kid, they were the books I read and it seeps into the brain. So uh, like in terms of films, if you look at the DVD collection there, there's there's every sort of film there, every every genre. But when it turns to, when it comes to writing stuff, um, or, or filming stuff, I tend to go that way. Even the short films, I've made, I've made plenty, but but a lot of them swing towards the horror because I, I just I enjoy it. You know, it's it's a it's an it's a form of escapism to a certain extent. People will always say it, there's a social commentary in there, but that to me isn't the primary element. You're now adopting a business language, and we keep on saying business 101. And actually, the last interview we had, I think, it was Frank Kelly, and he's just launched his book, Eight Simple Steps to Doing Shorts. But what he said, what the, what it really was, was eight steps: the production process, and it's a process on yeah. pre-production, production, post-production, and then that's still all production. Sales and marketing are not production. Business development is not production. Raising finance is not production. But they're the other parts of the business that we he even touched on and a few of the other people were speaking to. If you're in the business of film, then you have to have all these other functions mm. facilitating yeah. the production of the product or and or, and or a service of, like, of the film. And then you get to get to sell it. You know, and, and then you get to do it again you know, or, or raise more investment and do it again. Well, I think it's all part the of the experience. Like the marketing is part of why I enjoy yes. going to see a film. It's like the trailers of like, like even if you take just Bond, I don't know when this is coming out, but like the Bond film, like they've been teasing that for 50 years. You know, the oh, next actually Bond film. the cinema yeah. now. <laughs> I'm hoping to get to yeah. see. <laughs> <laughs> but like the trailers, you know, the cancellation, all this kind of stuff, yeah. you're buying into the, the theatrical 
not the theatrical, but like it's like the politics, the theatre of politics, but for a film, it's like now, the one thing I don't like. So I'm just just jumping in here because you're reminding me of the one thing I don't like about films is I see all the trailers and realize I've seen the film. Oh yeah, because I go to see the film and it turns out they were the, the best shots, shot. yeah. and that's really really <laughs> annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but I got over that when I learned the three act structure. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's like I've seen every film. <laughs> you know, you, but that is part of it. Like the. You you kind of have to enjoy all of that, otherwise, why do you watch it? Because yeah. um, it isn't always about just the film; it's about the the act of going to a cinema yes. and kind of being there, yeah. or the dinner beforehand or afterwards, or the point with friends and stuff. So it's it's more than just the the story or the film. There's a whole event around it for for the individual, for the audience. You've done the thing which I love best is you're sitting there in the, the cinema or on the TV, and I'm constantly doing this. I could do that. Oh, oh, oh geez, I could have done that myself better. Yeah. I know you're starting to like you know, reverse engineer some of the things going because two cameras outside of that car. That's a green screen behind it. Yeah. That's bloody you. And if, and, but the one thing that's great about that, and usually people sit beside me going, you can do that, can you? Well, go, well why aren't you doing that? More important for, for someone, for someone we say at, where I am, more important is, is it's networking you know it's meeting people very hard to do in covid i mean in part, like you know you can do it on a computer but it's not the same you know like i go around to and and this is another thing stephanie and Sean were saying I, I do go around to the markets and i do go around to the festivals and it's if you look at other people's success stories particularly at the budget level that you're talking about you know we'd say half a million to a million quid and um, it's networking because we we you, you get a sense of a person when you meet them, you know, face to face. So I, I do think networking is is where, because you even see it with people who have made, you know, who have got budgets and that, who've got producers on board. It is through meeting people and, and like even making my own film, it's through people I knew. And you just know, you know, you go on a set of making a feature film. It's a long process. You could, you could be working with these people for a few years and you've got to really know you're going to get on with them first and foremost, yeah. even if you yeah. have the money. I mean, if you're if you if, if they have the money, if you're working with someone with the money or if you're working with someone who's who's a filmmaker, uh, you have to get on. If one if one of those two is an asshole, then you've got two years of pain ahead of you, you know. You can dream the dream. That's what most people do. Never get any further. We've been talking to talk for quite a while now, myself and uh, George, and he keeps giving out about me. He says we have to go walk on the walk now and start making stuff because we've talked about it. Now, George has made loads in the past, but the new iteration is all about the future. It's, it's time to walk the walks and do an awful lot. We want to keep on what we want to do to Tom Hanks, believe it or not. We want to walk from one side of the country to, and back again. We want to keep on walking the walk because that means we're in the industry. So you've poster boys, you've done a bunch of stuff before that. George touched on it. What's in the slate coming down the road now that you've learned an awful lot more from poster boys as to what not to do in what order and how yeah. to do it better going forward? Um, I'm, I'm always a little reluctant to talk about them until they're real, but um, we, have this, we have two things that I'm pretty excited about. One is... Um, one is like a, an adventure thing for for kids that uh, were put. So James Bond seven number yeah, James, yeah. James Bond yeah, but Irish. So Jim, Jimmy O'Bond. Jimmy uh, O'Bond. <laughs> yeah. And then we have this other one by. This is a, a real festival one, and this is the kind of one that like you're putting in all the things in place and stuff. And that's a, a Spanish language film with a an Italian director called Samuel McFadden, and that's you know I I, I love Sam. I love the idea. You know, it's not all there, but there's such a great process in it that, um, yeah, I'm just excited to be part of that one. So 
and the other one's mine and I'm excited to be part of that for different reasons but you know it's you got to care it's even better when you're not letting yourself the one you're a part of you're going I'm not I fire myself first you're going it, it's it's now it should be well you've just said in the one sentence work and passion you know this is mine that's work I'm involved I'm one of a team I'm 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 one of a bigger machine I'm in the industry it's a bigger something I don't know how much that is it's 10 million 20 million fiver but the other one if you because we loved the old accountant and me can't help itself as going your one your one on the side everyone we've talked in the last 15 interviews has has the the passion one in the handbag or the man bag they're going it's half a million it's 15 million well i think we're going to make this a common subject going forward what's in your man bag what's the budget five million or your five million five million what do you need um well it's you know it's a different like the the problem with the one I'm doing there to speak about is that it's so it's so big that I feel I'm just waiting for it to fall apart. But the smallest version of it is a five million feature, and that's not um and you know and the ret- that's not insurmountable. Yeah. It's not that's that's like the that's the average low size indie film. Can we just clarify um, that um, you're talking now as a producer or as a director in this particular role? Both. You're both. You're going to direct it as well. So, so which which yeah. which which part of you, which of the two roles that you're talking about at this particular point in time, is the dominant role until you get into pre-production or wherever? Well, we're <laughs> um, we're already in production on some parts of it, but um, the and I'm flipping back into the writer head on it because right, okay. I'm, I'm getting these notes, but as the producer, I'm like, we'll we'll fix it out later. <laughs> we're like, we'll we'll get there. It'll be grand. But then in editing, in post-production, listen, we'll, we'll I'm an editor. The last thing I want to hear is that we'll solve it in editing, I can tell you. <laughs> well, like, yeah, the, that's the, the beautiful thing about kind of doing more stuff is that you work with more people yeah. and yeah. you don't want them there because it's just to have a big army beside you. You want them there because you want their input. Like what I'm saying about like how the roles are there for a reason. Yeah, Creativity, it gets my mind going and I'm thinking that's actually great because it's over the course of a day but a year is passing behind the characters and it tells the story of it's this guy's last maybe last day on earth he's suicidal it's a long bloody day though three, <laughs> three yeah, but that's it. it's, days it's, long. <laughs> yeah exactly but it's, he's carrying this thing it's with not him. dog years anyway of, <laughs> no <laughs> he's living a dog day yeah um but uh it's what that's what ends up happening is like okay how can i make this a creative challenge how can i take my limitations and use them to, to the, my advantage you know um but yeah if i had if i had the money i would i would block off that time you know and I, i'd work now, there's a the weird the f- thing there now now we're back to unfortunately george hates this and i keep on saying every show i'm not going to talk about it but it's back to the same thing what is it you're doing what is it the product is do you believe in it you know what's it worth if it was sold you're all you're doing that's what our journey is we're going are we creating a multi-million pound product how are we invest are we actually creating an investment opportunity for someone to get a better return than putting the money in the bank the weird thing is you're saying is you've got a skill set and an ability to package other skill sets into creativity that will be of entertainment value or informative value to an end audience that's in massive demand currently you're the skill set and you're the link to that most of our fears are that we're, the people we're missing is, is this other person that is more comfortable with raising the money or doing the marketing or business development or sales. Mm-hmm. And that because those bits are not in our core crew, we're doing it the way we can do it, eking along based on 
well, we're doing it and we're going to well, do it. I, anyway. I'd, like to, I'd like to jump in there on that one because uh, I mean, I've, I've just been working on a project for the last six years and I, and I, I've actually pulled out the project from being a producer director to just hiring out the material that I shot back to the group because it was just taking too long to actually get anywhere. And, and the difficulty is I know that that particular person has spent 20 years working on that project, but they haven't done anything else. They've just dedicated their whole life to that, that 20 years. And the problem is you kind of go, well, what are your skill sets? How are you, how are you keeping those going? Now, when I was working as an editor, you went from one program to the next program to the next, and you, you were constantly building up your skills so that people could recognize what those are. And I think when you do go into that role of becoming a producer, because it can take such a long time to get, if you don't keep on making short films or short somethings, people then start to forget mm -hmm. that you exist. And you're starting from yeah. scratch all over again. And I think that's really, yeah. I, I know we've discussed this quite a few times going, but it's just suddenly hit me that that's really why the filmmaker, the reason why you keep on making stuff is because you're trying, that's your art form. And I know- That's your calling. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, that if you don't practice, you start to lose some of those skills. Yeah, so that it was really just set uh, set up as as uh, as a way to sort of progress and sort of make the films that that interested um, us. And I mean, I, I mean, I'd love to sort of work with other directors within the company as well, which we have a little bit. But um, I, I think that's probably. And were those films sure. budgeted, or did you find a different way to to budget those films? How did you how did you budget those films? Um, when it when it came to the shorts, um, I used to fund a lot of films myself and um and that was that was good and I, I made a lot of shorts that way and um you know with small budgets and you know get some actors and some people who want to you know get some get some footage and you know but yeah you end up sort of cutting the legs off your story because you're trying to um you know I, I would watch stuff back and it, it would be like Am I happy with it? Did you know? Did I do everything I could to make it as good as possible? No, it, it's like the guerrilla filmmaking route, which I, I still sort of consider myself to be a guerrilla filmmaker. But back then, I was super guerrilla, um, and I reached a point, and I was like, I'm not going to do that again. And I, I decided I had um, a good opportunity to produce like a well-budgeted film that a friend was um, directing, and and I was working with her husband, who's quite an established filmmaker. It was a real eye opener for me. We had like named talent in it, and it was a very it was crowdfunded, and they hit the money within like less than a day because of uh, who her husband was, and uh, it. it and and it just gave an opportunity to sort of do things a different way. That machine is not about the individual. That machine is about the end consumer, the, the investor return on investment. The, we're not mm -hmm. in, we keep on moving between that machine and a, an error machine. We're saying we're not in that machine. We're in microproduction. And, and what microproduction is is you know it's a different family of film. I, it's the yeah, family. Yeah. It needs to be the family business of film. And once yeah. it is, everyone gets paid. They enjoy the day rate. They enjoy the wor working environment. They perform. Yeah. They go home. But they want to do it yeah. again in a different story. I think they get but, the opportunity to be more creative when that process is set properly because they're 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 doing normal day work. 
And in a normal day work, you're not getting stressed out as much because everything's being planned that you can work things out mm-hmm. better uh, so that people do fully, you know, you, you talked about production design earlier on. Uh, I mean, we, in our conversation mm-hmm. yesterday, we're talking about why it was essential to have a production designer on our future projects that we're planning at the moment. Yeah. And we were saying it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the look and, and you do as an audience appreciate that production value once you see the design yeah. work in there. So we need to make sure we've got it. But if you, if you're, if you're constantly going for the nosebleed or you end up with all these people wrecked, I've worked on projects where I've done a 42 hour stint. And I couldn't work for a week yeah. because I was so ill yeah, afterwards. No, that's you know I mean? And that's what the yeah. nosebleed jobs are actually forcing people to do. And, and they don't want to spend all their life working in a career that, that should be creative, but they do want to work in, in an yeah. industry where they can enjoy life. They enjoy the family, mm-hmm. feel as though they're solving problems, which they have to do on that day-to-day basis. But also know at the end of the day, they're going to get paid to do that, to be there, and not yeah. sort of scrimp and saves. I love the fact that, that the word that's coming out left, right, and center is value. You actually, you mm-hmm. even said it. I actually stopped and I worked out my own value. And, yeah. and only on monetary terms. We shouldn't really be thinking so much of the money. We're going, no, take the money just because we don't have that figure. Sometimes you say it's 300, it's 500. We go, you, you're a five grand going, I'm doing nine jobs. But no one has seen the evidence of it because in your yeah. brain, you're swapping between one and the other and allowing your 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 project managing a whole project from yeah. eight different silos while mm-hmm. sitting looking at something and no one's aware of it. And they're not going to value what they don't understand, that they don't see yeah. the evidence of that aren't yeah. isn't in the budget. Would you experience that from, you know, you, you, you mentioned the other craft that you were doing, which is, you know, in the trades. Do, do, you, do you see yeah. that and can you see the parallels? Oh, completely. Um, I worked on the on building sites uh, on and off all my life because that's what my family do. They're builders and painters, and so someone building a house, you know, you're, it's that stage of production, you know, all the way to the finished product, which is a house that then sells. You know, you've built it for one hundred and forty thousand, it sells for two hundred and fifty thousand, um, and you do it over a period of six weeks or something. Um, one interesting thing was when I went to Indiana, I worked as a supervisor in a grocery warehouse for a year. And then when I got the job at Apple, I was talking about my film stuff, but they were really interested in the grocery stuff because the parallel was exactly the same. It was production. It was bringing stuff in, organizing it. And you had, you know, you were dealing with different departments. So you had the truckers, you had the switchers in the yard, you had the offload drivers, you had the put away drivers, you had the product itself. And then you had a time schedule and you had a list of what was the priority to go out. So the production process is the same. That's really good because basically there are parameters being set so that everybody knows and understands the processes that you're going through and what the consequences of those processes are. So I think that that's really good. I know a lot of the filmmakers that we're talking to haven't even thought of that and they're doing, they think they're making deals, but they haven't actually got it in writing. So there's no parameters set and then they get hit with something years later because they had thought. But I think what, I mean, I think it's really important what you're saying here that you, you have established the boundaries what what can be given and and how much it is for so you've set a kind of price even though you know you've worked at it you've worked out a deal and i think that's that's really really good that we're we're hearing that because i think that's the kind of things that filmmakers that we're hopefully going to be working with need to understand (laughs) because you know without that you can't move your film forward into distribution 
Uh, All of this was talked about as well before we really went into production, before pre-production, really. I, I shared the script with sort of the core team. The same, you know, I, I use uh, the same cinematographer, for instance, for years. Um, I, I worked with other people, but but he made the short with me. We've, we've done a lot of other stuff and we sort of know each other really well. But when I've written a script, I'll send it to him and say, what, what do you think? Um, and he'll start having ideas and then, you know, he's attached to it and he knows maybe it's not going to be as big a money earner as shooting a, you know, a, a commercial or something for a big brand, but he will be uh, like artistically rewarded through it. And, and also like he's got a lot of work from the short film version. Like he, he uh, Lorenzo, um, cinematographer I worked with years, he, he refers to it as the gift that keeps giving, um, which is wonderful to hear. So sort of making the feature with him is sort of a no brainer. We've, you know, and most of the people who worked on the film were people I'd collaborated with before. And it's once again, going back to the shorts, it's it's you get to find your film family and people you enjoy working with who do good work um, that they they're on the same wavelength as you. No, not not saying that you don't occasionally have differences of opinion on, on how to approach certain things, but that's good. Like you need people around you that you trust, but you also, but also aren't afraid to, you know, question. You don't want yes men and yes women. Yeah. It's a case of yeah. the difference. Yeah. It, that's the difference. It's to find that halfway house that that actually brings the extra value. Otherwise we're all singing off the same hymn. She, we're all singing the same hymn, but there's no extra, there's no outside you're not going to break the mold. There's a group of fans, actually, that oh, in America, I, I can't remember what state it's in. Um, I think it's outside of New York, I think, right? But I'm not 100% sure. And they built the original uh, 60s uh, Enterprise sets. Oh, Star wow. And it's a, it's exactly the same as the 60s. The, the, and there's, document, there's videos of them um, fundraising and uh, with donations and so on, and gradually how they built on. But they have the actual 60s set of the enterprise and what they do is they make their own fan films in that set but they also allow other people to come in and with their costumes and use the set to recreate star trek episodes with the original looking set i guarantee on youtube they're following they're making money back to back hand hand over fist on youtube without ever leaving the enterprise you know route Yeah, yeah, so you're going. I said, it's where we're we going today, you know, Jim. <laughs> anywhere you want, Jim. Anywhere you want. It's because all here, that's the special effects. And we're and actually, that's it. They're looking out the window or the portal or, or and they're going, right, who's, who's on the starboard bow? Oh, the Vulcans are. But I mean, you don't have to see them. You just have to go. That just sets the conversation off. And, and that's where we're going in our journey. We're doing most of it in our mind. We're doing an awful lot of dreaming the dream. We're doing a bit of talking the talk at the moment. Soon enough, we hope to walk the walk. You're walking the walk for the last while now. You've done a bunch of stuff that's getting great reviews. That you know, as we were talking to a few of our other you know people on the shows, we're saying that's the it's like the CV, that's the resume that gives me permission that I win awards, I write good stories, but that's that was the the permission to go do mm. the passion one. The real one, the only one that matters, the only show in town. It's the commitments again. You're going, there's one more before you go. What is it? Mm. Okay, do I have to answer that question? <laughs> ah, George will answer it for you. Go on. We don't want to let you answer it. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I mean, 
I think what the way I see it is that I am a dreamer. Uh, I am uh, a storyteller. Um, and that's what I ultimately am. Uh, not necessarily say a filmmaker or a producer or whatever, um, because I've used all different aspects of the media over 35 years or thereabouts mm. to tell a story. So that's what I've been doing every so many years. I, I, I use different types of media, whether it's radio or film or, or, or print or whatever it is. Um, so if I was to do the last, I mean, I, my thing is, right, as a, as a writer, as somebody who likes to create stuff, is that while I would love to write the ultimate, say, Star Wars or Star Trek or Doctor Who series, or whatever, um, I would only do it if it has to be original uh, and it was going to be screened so that people enjoy it. Mm. So because I, I, one of my, which I didn't realize actually how much I, I enjoy when I go to film festivals and I see my, my thing on the screen and I hate looking at my stuff on, up on the screen, but when I'm watching them is the, and listening is the people around go, ooh, yeah. ah, or laugh, you know, and yeah. Uh, and I, I get a great buzz out of that. And it's like, um, I can imagine like entertainers on stage, you know, and I'm not a, an entertainer as such. I've been, I work, I say work in the media as well, but uh, I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like being on stage with a spotlight and that kind of thing. But I'll take that. You give it to me. You just write for me. <laughs> Off we go. You have your own spotlight. You carry your own spotlight. That's around, it, yeah. You know? I carry it everywhere I go, but I'm just standing yeah, in the corner it. with my own spotlight. <laughs> I don't need anybody else. Yeah. But I think, you know, that's that's why entertainers, I think, get is this kind of energy they get from a, from an audience. And I think that's what yeah. uh, keeps them going on stage. You know, they love that feedback from the audience. Well, I get it from sitting in an audience and no one knows it's me that, that I've made this thing that they're watching. And I get pure enjoyment out of that, you know, to hear. You can't tell from the four spotlights shining on your bald head, you know. You're just there like. (laughs) (laughs) And we have one in the audience now. He's a special guest. You know, he wrote, directed, (laughs) produced and starred in this. But he's the one with the black glasses in the corner wearing a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> I have my own drum roll on my phone that I get up and walk into a room. <laughs> <laughs> the big announcement, you know, here he is. Because uh, as an editor, what I was doing was trying to get inside the mind of the director. And I think that's part of what you, the director should be doing is getting inside the mind of the writer so that they can then envisage the writer's vision, if that makes sense, because that's, that should be, there should be a possibility of having that kind of collaboration where you align yourself with someone that has similar sort of views. Yes. There may, there may be little bits of compromises, but at least if you can work with them, they, they become a partner, a true partner in the sense that they are aligning themselves to your vision within the text that you wrote, because without that, they actually can't direct either. It is just an interpretation from the director's perspective. Ideally, ideally, yes. I mean, that's why I guess, A, that's why it takes time uh, to find the right match. Um, but, you know, like for these two projects, especially my first um, feature, you know, I really, really want, I would like to be a producer in that project because it's it's very close to me. And, um, but I know that that might be not, you know, it might be unrealistic because of how things work, starting from finances <laughs> and, you know, who, depending who you attach, depending who gets interested in, in the script. And there has been interest and I've, you know, almost gotten it over the, the hill and it's, you know, it's had recognition and it's, it's doing well, but it needs more work. And again, um, 
And what type of work does it need in the sense that what, what is it that's it's just about broke through? It just got over the mark. I do need to go back to the, the writing. Um, the difficulty there is that you have conversations. Sometimes you have access to people that you really want to have the conversation with. And sometimes you have access to people that aren't quite the right people. And they could take it on if you do something different with your project. And that's where you get stuck. Or I, you know, my experience is do I follow what their lead is because they have a vision and I'm the writer and they're the director and they're asking me for something in particular? Or do I hold on to what I want it to be like and keep searching for the right? Now, there, now back in business language 101, the 80 20 rule of minimum viable product, you're going, at what point do you have to let go and go? Yeah. You can't go to ver- like, you know, draft seven, then eight, then nine. And nine years later, it's still there because life moves on. It's someone's interested. There's a couple of things we can tweak. I can do the next one. I need to get it over the line. I need to get my name out there. So the power moves to me for the next one. You've got a script. You believe in the story. It's close to your heart. Your job now is to turn off the writer and turn on the marketeer and business development part of you and get it out there and let it grow. I kind of wonder if that, I know what Garvin's talking about because I know he's looked at the stuff that we've we've been doing ourselves. But but I'm kind of getting a sense from what you're saying that maybe what's happening is the directors are taking your the core story in a direction that isn't really where it was intended to be. Would that be right? Or what's the difficulty that yes, you're finding? I think what happens is we're all human beings and we have our own experiences and journeys and you know some elements will have will resonate with for example this director but they'll have their own take on it and therefore to make it really feel like their own they need it to be slightly different or very different uh and that it, again it's about chemistry meetings you know chemistry conversations um was that no i'm just going to jump back in again and go was it possibly to change? No, we don't. Because we're talking very ambiguous here. Was the, was the changes that the person in question was trying to commercialize it more or take control of it? No, I don't think so. Because it's, I mean, it's not that type of, of script. And yeah. the end result, um, I, I think it's still there for me. Um, you know, one of the issues that I am trying to tackle within myself is that because I've written... I write from what is true for me and my experiences and they become very dear to me or very close to me. And so I think one of my uh, tasks is to try and put more distance <laughs> between what I write and myself. You have to become multi-schizophrenic. You'd like the rest of us. <laughs> there you, go. you have to go. You have, you have to be more creative in the sense that, you know, mm. sometimes you've got to let go of certain things. And sometimes that means, you know, because of course I want, you know, to be writing my speech for God knows what acceptance, you know, you know, and, but maybe that project isn't now isn't the time now and I have to go on and move to something else that is maybe more commercial yeah. and where I can have my name. And then someone will say, Oh, look, she also has something else that's in her drawer. We're all three of us are talking about the same kind of thing. It doesn't matter what the language is that we use, but we're still we're still looking at this entity that seems to come along and sort of guide us in some sort of direction in, in the life that we're actually having and where things are going. Do you find that same kind of thing gives you a sense of calmness when, especially because you're working in an industry that can be, I mean, my, my experience of it is it can be very 
high anxiety very, and, and very critical and very, you, you can be not for six and there are power games going on within the structures, especially if you're working in television and, and, and some of the high powered stuff, you know, that can really knock you. Are you finding that is hitting you or are you finding that the way you're working, especially with the people that you, you've come into contact is helping that, that journey go a bit smoother? Bit of both. Like I love, um, I'll always kind of look for signs. And um, if I get like, if I feel like if I get overly anxious um, on set, which has happened sometimes when you have like so many people running after you and um, especially if you have to do like a really emotional scene, I'll just kind of sit, I'll take a few moments by myself and I'll just kind of get into my my mind for a minute and calm. And sometimes I'll, I'll look over um, photos of like, positive times and um or I'll go through the script again and just try to stay present and in the moment and not get kind of lost in all the chaos that's going on around me um and sometimes if I'm really feeling anxious like I'll even try to talk to someone about it and be like I'm feeling a bit anxious right now can we just like can we take a moment can we just even can we take a break for a few minutes and just kind of get grounded because I feel like when you're on a set and everything is just high emotion and you have a deadline and everything is like, just go, go, go. You need to take just a few minutes and just prep yourself and get ready. Because yeah. if you're constantly like on the go, on the run, on set, um, sometimes you look over like little mistakes or little things that you'd want to change. And then you get your film in the end. And you're like, oh, I'm not happy with that. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I wanted to happen. Um, and you just need to like take a moment and be like, okay, how can we, just like when things go wrong on set, Instead of going, oh, the film's ruined, we can't finish this anymore. I'm literally, I just, my attitude is, okay, what can we do to fix this? When we have to try and compromise that, are we giving too much away? Are we releasing or letting off too much that we don't want to? And, and if so, it, do we need to park the project that we've been working with and work something out through another project and then come back to uh, the other one at a later time. And I think those are really important issues that we all have to address as we go through in, in our life. Anything you'd like to give as, as words of wisdom <laughs> that might help them? Um, gosh, it's going to sound cliche, but... Um, oh, we love cliches. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah this... this uh, well, just write what you want to write, uh, you know, really kind of go where it's hard, but real. Um, at least that's the kind of film I like to watch, you know, where there's a meaning that is very um, central to being human being. And, and so I like, hopefully, to, to write that. So, you know, whatever you, you, you're curious about and whatever you're passionate about, make that what you write about. Hope you enjoyed this video. Please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications.